Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Let's talk government and its ability to deliver services or actually not not a great record in delivering basic services. And I say this in regards to what's been transpiring in the last, what's been transpiring here in British Columbia in the last 24 hours. Now, we learned yesterday BC's Ferries is cancelling 48 sailings between Schwartz Bay and Twatson. Uh, the Coastal Celebration return to service has been delayed after unexpected complications with its propulsion system. Um, from June 28th to July 3rd, there'll be eight fewer daily sailings between Twatson and Schwartz Bay than uh, originally scheduled. Now, I know these things happen, but to me, this is unacceptable, especially as you're heading into the Canada Day long weekend. Now, this is issue number two. Now, that's at the provincial level. Yesterday, we had Vancouver Councillor Pete Fry join us to talk about the city's budget outlook over the next five years with a staff report that warned homeowners uh, that they could be on the hook for a 9% annual property tax hike for every year for the next five years. Now, that comes at the heels of a 10.7% property tax hike uh, this year. Now, I understand uh, there's a lot of obligations that cities have. Now, the Green Party Councillor then went on to say in the interview with me yesterday that perhaps they'll have to look at other revenue sources. There's no conversation about perhaps the city needs to cut, but no, we uh, should be looking at other revenue sources. And one of the issues he brought up was that parking tax that nobody that I recall uh, on this show in this city or this region liked. Take a listen to his comments. That was defeated by, in, the, in the last term, and I think we heard loud and clear from the from public that, that it wasn't going to be equitable and, and that folks didn't want to pay for uh, their private vehicles on public streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is a, a conversation that may need to be revisited at some point because I, I get that it's not popular, but neither is a 9% tax increase. Uh, no, it doesn't need to be revisited. That's my response. And the reason I say that, the city, in its uh, budget outlook, says they have $730 million in capital spending, inflation, rising construction costs, a labor shortage, and wage growth as contributing factors to their incredibly grim budget outlook. But within that outlook, it also says that the city spends about $160 million, $168 million on affordable housing, $23 million on childcare and homelessness, and $4 million to fight the opioid ad- uh, crisis. That amounts to 15% of the total city budget, which is in and around $2 billion. Uh, I know it's not easy, but City Hall should be looking at core businesses. What are they there for? What do citizens expect from a municipal government? Garbage pickup, community centers, dealing with potholes. The other issues, affordable housing and childcare and homelessness, those are jobs that the federal government and the provincial government are responsible for. Now, let's go to the Stanley Park train just for a moment. Yesterday, we had Jordan Armstrong on this show, a Global BC reporter who filed an FOI request to get a better sense of why do we continue to see this train that is so loved by residents and taxpayers and never runs. Now, at this point, there's no fixed date, but these park board did say they'd hope to have it running by either Halloween or Christmas. Jordan's guess was probably closer to Christmas. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the park board had said that they're looking at mechanical issues 
that has been, have been impacting uh, the antique engine. Uh, now, this cancellation of the Stanley Park Ghost Train has led to a 50% drop in donations to the fire, uh, Firefighter Burn Fund fundraiser as well last year. What's interesting about this is we learned from Jordan yesterday that they had one person who took care of the uh, train. That person retired in 2012. The upkeep was, respons- was handed over to the city of Vancouver, not the park board. The city wanted a schedule. They never received one. It's like one entity not talking to the other entity. Now, here's the interesting part. Even though this is a popular train, take a listen here to Jordan's comments yesterday in regards to how badly the city, in this case, well, ultimately the park board, which is responsible for the train, allowed the train to deteriorate. Take a listen. There were brake issues with every single engine and car on the train, excessive oil leaking on the brake lining. That's an obvious fire hazard. The green locomotive's brakes were not releasing after being applied. I guess it's better that they were not releasing as opposed to not engaging. But anyway, the red engine had overheating and radiator issues. Um, Some of the carriages had no uh, articulation in the wheels, so an obvious derailment risk. And these deficiencies were there. The, The train failed inspection in September, but it continued to run with these deficiencies up until days before that inspection. So people were putting their children, their grandchildren on the train when it had this long list of problems with it, Jeff. This train is popular, people love it, and the city allowed it to deteriorate, or the park board, whatever it may be. Ultimately, you have to accept the fact that this is a political decision. They allowed this to do it, and they did it quietly. Well, then you could argue, well, it's an antique train, Jazz. You know, these things are very difficult for upkeep. Well, take a listen to Jordan's comments here in regards to the revenue that this train generated. In terms of revenue, in the documents, it's suggested that in a good year, so in years when they've had the full fleet of trains up and running, weather's been good, haven't been any mechanical breakdowns, that sort of thing, the train's been able to bring in close to $2 million in revenue. 1.9 was the figure in um, the documents we saw. But translate that to profit. We asked Steve Jackson about that today. It would bring in about a half million dollars in profit. It's important for the park board to keep, uh, you know, lifeguards uh, trained and and other assets that people enjoy. It brings in a lot of money. So a $2 million million in revenue that the uh, train generates, a half a million dollars in profit, and they allowed it to deteriorate. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, it's it's past the point of no return. Yet it's incredibly popular with kids and around Halloween and Christmas time. It's all the same issue at the end of the day, folks. You've got a train that's pro- uh, uh, that is popular, that people like, they believe government should be running it, and because of political reasons, they've allowed it to deteriorate. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we might have one train running by Christmas 2023. It's appalling. We now have a government that is telling its citizens that you expect a 9% property tax increase every single year for the next five years. Yet 160 to $180 million goes towards affordable housing. It goes through other issues that are not a core part of Vancouver's uh, business. $23 million towards childcare and homelessness. Give it to the provincial government. They have a $60 billion plus uh, budget. They should be handling that. That should be their issue. $168 million for affordable housing? Where are the feds on this? The challenge we have here in government, whether it's municipal or provincial, is they have basic services to provide the people of British Columbia, whether it be ferries running all the time, but especially around the Canada Day long weekend. 
You have trains that people love for their kids, part of growing up. Nope, it's not going. Why? Because of political reasons. That's exactly what happened. And then when it's time to say, wait a minute here, let's tighten the belt here at City Hall. We've got over $180 million we're, we're, we're spending on housing and war and homelessness. Let's cut back there somewhere. I know it's not easy. I know uh, you may sound like a bad guy, but these are grown-up decisions. But no, what do I hear from a city councilor? Let's revisit the parking tax. Let's tax homeowners who've already paid for that road, have already paid their taxes for those amenities. We're going to charge them for parking. As if, as if it's not easy enough, as if it's not, it's simple to live in the city already, because it's not expensive enough. Boy, I went on a bit of a rant there. Poor Richard had to sit through the commercial break there. Joining me now is Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter. Hello, Richard. I'm always here for a good Jazz Joe Hall rant. <laughs> Sorry, something <laughs> sent me off today. I just, I don't want to talk about parking taxes. I don't want to talk about the fact this train that's really loved by people and they can't keep it up and running and then the ferry problems. And I know it's mechanical, but, you know, why can't you do a retrofit in November rather than right before a Canada Day long weekend? Your thoughts, just, you know, you cover government, all levels of government, but why does government have so much difficulty providing basic services these days? Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on government, but it's also the challenge of balancing all of that. I, I just spoke to Nanaimo Mayor Leonard Krogh, and I know he was on with Jill Bennett earlier today, and he just spoke about the growing challenges that communities face, uh, be it the addiction crisis and public safety and transportation and school infrastructure and hospitals and he says when government pulls one lever, it leaves so many other places that still need support. So that's one of the challenges, growing population, uh, aging population, leading to sort of record-breaking pressures on our public system. The other part of it all is there are ideologies mixed into all of this. And, you know, you spoke about this idea of a parking tax. Uh, there was a war in some regards on drivers in, in Metro Vancouver from uh, some political parties, whereas mm -hmm. others say, you know, let them drive. Uh, and those sort of ideological debates, which are important to have, our, our system is built on ideological debates. Uh, those sort of debates fuel a lot of this discussion and lead to great polarization. And, and debates are important, but getting to an agreement on those sort of issues is going to be very, very hard. And then the last piece in all this jazz is there's one taxpayer. And yeah. the reality is the way our system is designed is that it comes from three pots of money. And the problem is cities have so few tools to access public cash that they move to things like parking tax or mobility pricing and that is large or property tax increases that you can feel, whereas the provincial government and the federal government have different ways to gather those revenues and it doesn't feel as extreme. And, and I think, you know, it would be a profound shift, but we need to have a greater conversation, especially considering, you know, most of our population live in cities. We need to find a way to better allow municipalities to support uh, the sort of services that they need to provide for people. Yeah, it is interesting. And one, it's just a reminder that, you know, all these things are piling up over the last few days. And just listening to this, and I go, we've got to find a different way, whether it's a different taxing, tax system we have to set up. I don't know what it is. But this can't continue with one taxpayer where we're talking about bringing back or considering a parking tax again. Things that we love, like a, as the Stanley Park miniature train, that's a, a program that should be protected and it makes money especially and i know instead we, we go down a political ideal uh, it's political ideology at the end of the day that leads to it uh, deteriorating so it's, it's quite frustrating more than anything else richard thank you so much yeah my pleasure jess have a great show yeah thank you and have yourself a wonderful canada day long weekend uh let's talk to brian in coquitlam hi brian 
Hey, Jazz. So I live in Port Coquitlam, which is Brad, uh, Brad West's state. And our pools are free this summer. The tax rate from what I understand went up only 2%. In two days, the city fixed every pothole that they had with a two-day blitz. Mm -hmm. During the winter, our roads were plowed. We didn't miss garbage day. And after Christmas, they even had extra garbage days to pick up the waste. And all our parking in this city is free. I can't think of one paid parking spot. So I don't know how he's doing it. But this city is maintaining all its services at low cost. What, what's going on in Vancouver? Yeah, no, you yeah, absolutely... The roads, the roads. The roads in Port Coquitlam, I'm reminded every time I go to Vancouver and Surrey uh-huh. how good I have it in Port Coquitlam. <laughs> because when I drive in Vancouver or Surrey, my car is being shaken to bits because the roads are crap. Brian, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. I mean, I, you do see these amazing community centers built in the suburbs. You know, I think in, in, in my community in Delta, I think kids up to 13 uh, on uh, can do drop-in basketball and uh, and they don't pay. Because uh, you want kid to keep, keep kids active. And I know George Harvey and his uh, slate at that time brought it in. I think it was a few years ago. But I'm always amazed when I drop my son off at the local rec center. Kids don't pay. And so they're all playing in the gym, having lots of fun, basketball, pickup games all going on. And you don't pay as a parent. And I never hear these types of programs in Vancouver. Maybe you have them. I don't, I don't know. But when you can't even keep a pool open uh, or you have to shut a rec center down for a little while, it, it, you shake your head. I mean, you really do. Uh, let's go to Michael and Langley. Hi, Michael. Hey, Jazz, you know, 25% profit margin on $2 million, and these guys killed the project. Do you know how many businesses would kill to have a 25% profit margin? <laughs> I know, I know. Could you imagine just the profit you take that? You, you can hire lifeguards, as Jordan said, oh. and it, 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 and it was ideological. I swear they'll never say it. It was all about decolonizing the park and, and taking something that is loved. Um, you know, I, I took our son many years ago, my wife and I, and, and we had a great time there, great time. Those are things that build memories that keep you connected to your community. And these folks decide, no, this is the one we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna squeeze it slowly so it just goes away. And these arguments they give about, oh, the parts and we don't have anybody to fix it. You're talking, you know, we're sending, we're sending people to space. I think we can deal with an antique train here in Vancouver. It is amazing. 